Hi, and welcome back to the Itchy Podcast. My name is Lindsay, and I'm the Managing Editor for Infection Control and Hospital Epidemiology, or Itchy. Itchy is the official journal for the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America. In each episode of the Itchy Podcast, we hear from authors of articles recently published in the journal. Today, I'll be speaking with Milner Staub and Chris Evans about their article from the February issue of Itchy titled, Analysis of a High Prescribing State's 2016 Outpatient Antibiotic Prescriptions, Implications for Outpatient Antimicrobial Stewardship Interventions. Before we begin, listeners should note that this article is available for journal CME. Go to learningce.shea-online.org and browse the course catalog for journal CME 2020 to quickly and easily earn your credits. All journal CME is free for Shea members. And with that, let's get started. Dr. Staub and Dr. Evans, thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is Milner Staub. I am an infectious diseases doctor. I work at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, as well as the VA, Tennessee Valley Healthcare System, where I'm also a VA quality scholar. And I am Christopher Evans. I am an infectious diseases pharmacist and I now work at the Tennessee State Department of Health, focusing on antimicrobial stewardship efforts in the inpatient and outpatient settings across our state. Great, well, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about this study and just some general background, what you did and what you found? So the IQV exponent, which is maybe better known to other researchers as the IMS quintiles data set, looks at all of the outpatient antibiotic prescriptions written by a licensed Tennessee provider from a given year. In this case, it was 2016. And previously, the Tennessee Department of Health had gotten access to this data and had done some analysis. And as I was looking for a project uh, during my fellowship, uh, worked with the Tennessee Department of Health really to ask the question, number one, had our prescribing changed since 2013 and a more awareness of antimicrobial stewardship in the outpatient setting, but really also now that the data set included a more provider detail, could we use this prescription data to figure out who's prescribing? Are they in rural or metro areas? Are there certain prescriptions we tend to prescribe much more than others? Are there any predictors about prescribers that might help us in the future reach out to them and reduce their antibiotic prescribing? And so one of the most challenging things for individuals working in the ambulatory stewardship world is lack of data. What inspired you to seek the IQVIA exponent database for this project and how difficult was this process? We at the State Department of Health, we totally understand and appreciate the concerns of providers in the community obtaining their data. From where we sit, it's much easier for us to look at the, these data from a statewide perspective. And we were familiar with the work of some of our colleagues at CDC that have looked at the IQVIA, formerly IMS data, at the national level. And some of those data aren't very granular. They don't go any further down than the state level. And they don't give us more detailed information about the prescribers who are writing these scripts for antibiotics. 
And so that's why we investigated a little further the opportunities and the possibilities of purchasing the Ikevia data ourselves and specifically focusing on much more detailed information about the prescribers rather than looking at this at the just the state level. We were able to look at this down to individual prescriber level data. IQVIA is a company. They actually sell this exponent data to state governments. They sell it to the federal government. They actually sell it to pharmaceutical manufacturers for other purposes. But we were interested in obtaining that, and so we investigated if we could do this. It is not an easy process to go through, but we were fortunate that we were able to mimic some of the CDC requests that they had had previously to purchase some of these data. The other thing that I will add is that IQVIA has now participated in the AMR challenge put out by CDC, and they have actually provided states with the health departments their list of top prescribers across their state. And that is inspired by some of the work that we've done and by some of the work that CDC has done to kind of get other states involved with IQVIA data and hopefully using those data to do targeted interventions in their states as well. And do you think your results are potentially generalizable to other high prescribing states or other states in general? I do think this will be generalizable not only to other high prescribing states, but actually at a more systems based level, so systems of outpatient clinics, even on the individual clinic level. The method we use where we identify a small subset of high prescribers, this is inherently a quality improvement rule. It's the Pareto chart rule where most of your change is going to be affected by a small group of people. And similarly, most of your aberrant results are going to be explained by a small subset of individuals. And we found that actually to be true in our data. And I suspect that will be true for other states. So what we've hoped to do is say, this is how we went through the data. We gave very explicit methods because we wanted people to be able to replicate this when they receive data from IQVIA and let us know if they find differences in their data. But also on a healthcare level, we've actually implemented this same method and found that the rule still applied, that in one of the healthcare systems where I work, um, when we lined up outpatient prescribers from highest prescribers to lowest prescribers, there was a small subset that accounted for most of the outpatient prescriptions. So it just allows you to take your resources and really focus them where they're needed and, and tailor them to that group. I agree that the results are generalizable to other high prescribing states, but I also think that the outcomes of these results are generalizable to the other high prescribing states. So I work in the South, as does Milner, and when we look at antibiotic use across the nation as a whole, there is this huge amount in the southeastern part of the nation. And I am particularly interested in that because I, I live and work here about what are the factors that are driving that antibiotic prescribing so high in this part of the country as opposed to other parts of the country that don't have that. Is it that we have a sicker population? No, we don't necessarily think that that's true. We think it's more of a, a culture of prescribing. And so I think some of the interventions that can potentially come out of these data, as well as the processes for how we analyze this could definitely benefit other state health departments in other high prescribing states within the Southeast of the United States. 
And in the discussion, you recommend targeting not the high prescribing specialties such as urology or other larger groups of prescribers such as nurse practitioners, but rather on a small but impactful group of prescribers regardless of specialty, practice location, experience, or gender. By this, do you mean the 9.3% of prescribers who prescribe 50% of all antibiotics? And also, how do you intend to do this? So as Chris and I both were alluding to, the results of this study were the largest take home, which you've already said, is when we lined up every individual prescriber's total outpatient antibiotics, so all oral antibiotics prescribed in the year 2016, assigned to individual providers, and we lined them up and then added them sequentially to figure out what percentage of the state's antibiotics were being accounted for as we add in each individual provider. What we found is that after adding in 9.3 of all of our prescribers, 9.3% of all of our prescribers, we had already accounted for 50% of our state's outpatient antibiotics. So when we found this, to, I think that was the, the main take home result. We feel like this allows for unique opportunity to really take a closer look at that group and see within that 9.3% who stands out. Is there a specific characteristic about the prescriber, about their practice setting, about the way they practice medicine, their patients? And I think in our future studies, we really want to delve more into those nuances. But other results that we also found that are, are consistent with prior literature is that certain specialties and we don't know whether it's cultural within those specialties or whether it's a result of the kind of work they do or the, the culture behind the work they do, are more likely to prescribe more antibiotics. So for us, it was urology. It's actually our pediatricians. It was dermatology. So some of these specialties where we see frequent prescribing of antibiotics actually across multiple prescribers within that specialty. So that's what we found. And that is what we meant by targeting the high prescribing group as opposed to these individual specialties. Because we feel that even within each of these specialties, there are prescribers that don't fit this model. They're not high prescribers. So there's gotta be something that is differentiating those two prescribers that goes beyond just their specialty or their degree type. And my last question is, at the end of the paper, you discuss next steps, including analyzing additional years of data, assessing prescribers' challenges, and conducting a pilot study. Can you update our listeners on how any of these are progressing and any lessons you've learned so far? Sure. And Chris, do you have any updates? Because I think the Tennessee Department of Health has been instrumental in sort of pushing this into the future. Sure, I'm happy to. So we have... The, the data that Milner analyzed for us came from 2016 antibiotic prescribing data. We have since purchased 2018 prescribing data from IQVIA, and we are currently in the process of analyzing that and comparing it to the 2016 data. The other piece out of that that I am of particular interest is looking at those, those prescribers that were identified in the high prescriber list in 2016 and the high prescriber list in 2018. I work across the state. I, there are lots and lots of thousands of prescribers across Tennessee. 
And we do want to see how we can target those prescribers and offer them resources on appropriate antibiotic use. But with thousands of prescribers, I need a way to target specific ones. And I think Milner's work that she has done with analyzing this 2016 data and then the comparison of those prescribers that also fall into 2018 help us to target that and to bring that number down to a manageable number of prescribers that we can work more closely with. We're also hopefully in the next year using some of these data to identify specific prescribers for more academic detailing, and this would be a much smaller subset of these prescribers with a project that we're entertaining for the upcoming year. We're doing much more focused antimicrobial stewardship core element implementation in high prescribing practices within designated parts of the state, but using some of these data to identify those prescribers. And I, I think from the challenge that Chris and I have discussed is that, you know, providers, no matter who you are, where you work, they want what's best for their patient. So when you're approaching them to try to change these practices that have been years, sometimes decades in the making, the last thing we want to do is put them on the defensive or ruin a trust relationship that we definitely need to make change. And so one of my projects that's currently underway is validating the IQVIA data for our state. And by validating, I don't mean whether it's correct or not, but assessing for individual antibiotics, for individual prescribers, are there places where we perfectly align? Are there places where it's not as clear because they're more rare antibiotics or the prescriber may practice in different locations that do and don't report to IQVIA? And we really want to understand how that data applies to prescribers before we give that data to them and start working with them to be accountable for reducing antibiotics. And then also we want to work with them to figure out, I think one of the biggest questions that arose from both our reviewers and within our own project, which was with not having indications in this data set, and with not knowing how many patients a certain provider is seeing, not having that denominator makes it more difficult to give this data to prescribers and ask them to change the data. So the first step for us is understanding how this data reflects individual prescribers, which is currently underway. And then Chris and actually the antibiotic resistance subgroup of the state has also talked about developing a plan to do widespread behavioral intervention with prescribers, which I think will be very exciting, although challenging. So we have those ideas formulating, but again, want to make sure that the data we give them is correct so that we're not acting off of something that isn't reliable. Great. Well, thank you again, Dr. Evans and Dr. Staub for joining us today on the Itchy Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. This was fantastic to be with you all today. This concludes episode 18 of the Itchy Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and thanks for listening.